0: I thought I would have character when I became successful, but I had to build character to be successful. Mm. So I thought I would have character once I had the house and the car and the family and all that stuff. So I worked hard to get all that stuff and I got all that stuff. And instead of having character, I became
1: a character.
2: Mm. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yeah. <Ooh. laughs>
1: Insurance dudes are on a mission to escape being handcuffed by our agencies.
2: How? By uncovering the secrets to creating a predictable, consistent, and profitable agency sales machine. I am Craig Pretzinger. I am Jason Feldman. We are agents. We are insurance dudes. It's funny though, the clearer you do get on those things, right? Cuz I mean business and life are very should be synonymous, right? Like that's what we were talking about before, where you have the identity of the, of what you do in your business. This happens a lot to uh, sports people. My mom was a gymnast and she went to the junior Olympics and then she had a aerobics company and was very successful and then got a little bit older, had some injuries, couldn't do the back walkovers and back handsprings that she wanted to do when she was 90, you know, she, had to stop doing that at, um, I think, in her late fifties, something like that. Maybe early she was 60s. still doing
1: it. that in her fifties. Yeah. yeah,
2: but but like but like she was hell bent on doing it in her eighties. But that was her identity, and when she couldn't do it anymore, and that had been her identity, it was tough for her. Yeah. And we've talked to other people on here, and it happens in sports a lot. You know, you see like somebody in sports, like a football player. That I mean, they train for that their, their whole life, and then mm-hmm. you know, no one plans for the after part. Right. You know what I mean? So, so then that whole shift becomes crazy, and kind of like what you were talking about earlier. There's a grieving phase of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I I did that early on in my life when I I played music and, you know, I used to tour with bands and we we had some success and I just, that was all I was going to do. And at some point I wanted to get married and I had to say, you know what, that's not the lifestyle for me. And I had to move on from that, but I had a super bad grieving phase that I didn't know about. It was in my late twenties. I didn't understand what was going on and I just found myself lost and just sad and grief i had anxiety like there's this whole thing that came with it and i think everybody does that with certain things and and nothing is permanent in life and it's scary when you get so attached to these um personas and it's like you know for us men we get into business because you know we have a family we have this this goal and and then when we achieve it sometimes we get wrapped up a little bit too much in business and then it's we're putting all those things ahead of our family, and then we get wrap up our identity, and it's like, wait a minute, we got to reassess what's going on here because it can tear family apart and all that stuff. It's it's tough.
0: Man, I tell you, you're spot on again. It's um, He's not I have enough. witnessed, I have witnessed my whole life mature men. I witnessed it first with my granddad, but then being in healthcare my entire career, my entire life. I've witnessed men retire and die shortly thereafter. Mm. And now um, I'm in a 12-step program here at a retirement beach area. We live in South Carolina right on the coast. So a lot of northerners retire here. They have been harassing our South Carolina coast like California is now harassing Arizona and Texas. Oh
1: man, they're not allowed. We're (laughs) closed.
0: So, when I say harassing, I mean that as a joke. Um, they've been great for the economy and a lot of other things, but what happens is now that I see these guys, you know, these guys retire up North, they move down here in South Carolina and two years later, they're in a 12 step program. They have like, they're a sailboat with no mast up in the ocean. They had direction every day when they woke up and now they're like, I don't know, maybe happy hour starts at noon. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I don't think they would have done that at home. And so I totally agree with what you're saying. I think, you know, I don't really talk about religion a lot, but I do talk about spirituality. And until I had my relationship with, it turns out to be that my childhood religion, but until I had a relationship where, this is a story I tell, and I tell it because it's funny. This huge, <laughs> this huge, beautiful, beautiful African-American man. He looks like James Earl Jones, and he sounds like him, too. And I'm sitting there just busted, man. And I'm like, I'm just like a hopeless hobo. And he looked at me, and he said, boy, I don't care if you believe in God, boy, as long as you believe you ain't God. <laughs> and that's a powerful statement. Because I think yeah. what us men do, we go through life being self-sufficient. And and if you're an agent, if you eat what you kill, that is tough. You're only as good as your last deal. Yeah. And yep. every day you're keeping score. And so there is some relationship there where you have to play God in your life. Mm. You know? And so if you do well. I can see why you get a big ego. Yeah. And if you're a surgeon and you're opening people's chest and fixing their hearts, can you imagine why your ego would be pretty big? I I can't imagine how big mine would be.
1: Right. And then you're hanging out with all the other surgeons solidifying each other's big egos.
0: Right. And so I think that happened to me. Yeah. You know, this success came fairly easily now, don't get me wrong. I worked my ass off, but I've seen other people work harder than me and didn't have the success. So I had all this success and then didn't necessarily make me, quote unquote, happy. So then this beautiful African-American man says, basically, you've been playing God with your life. And so I think spirituality can really help that stuff you were talking about, Jason. Yeah. It's like the good stuff in my life and the bad stuff in my life really isn't all me. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know? Yeah. So when something's really, I used to have these really high highs and really low lows. Yeah. Imagine a huge commission check come in.
2: Yeah. Well, look what I did. Woo-hoo! Right. But
0: now I'm like, hey, that's cool.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: You know, and then now if something really bad happens. I'm like, all right.
2: Right. Now
0: now I look at them as seasons. Yep. And I can get through the the great seasons just as easy as I can get through the the rainy seasons. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so I didn't have as, I had just about as much to do with the really positive stuff as I did the really shitty stuff.
1: Right. right? And You you know, and, and we, everybody here, on this and also listening would probably agree that you learn the most during the rainy seasons, right? You don't learn anything. You learn how great you are in the, in the ones where you're winning, right? And I'm being sarcastic, right? You think you figured it all out <laughs> right, right, right right, before the freaking other shoe drops and you, and, and it starts raining again, right? So, yeah. so important. We learn so much when it rains, right? COVID, the people that went all in during COVID learned a like we learned a lot. Like we, we grew a $10 million company at, during COVID. Right. Like, cause know how to do it. And just working through finding the opportunities when, when it is in that low swing and being able to go for it.
0: See, I think what, yeah. um, I think I'm sorry, Jason, go ahead.
1: No, no, no.
2: Go.
0: I think what happened with me is over the years, I would run from those low periods Cause I didn't mm-hmm. want to experience the pain.
1: Yes. Right.
0: And we were talking earlier. I covered mine up with alcohol. I probably right. covered them up with boats and cars and you know, <laughs> fun things too, you know, but, uh, or exercise. That was a big one for me, but look, we're not the only people in the world that cover their, their, their problems up. There's eating, there's sex, porn, I really do believe there's an Amazon addiction. (laughs) (laughs) There is. Because look, you can hit buy and then that shit feels good for a little while. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I got this thing coming and it's all cool. So we all run from pain. Who doesn't? It doesn't feel good. And then we find something that's temporarily good. But that's why, again, go back to the spirituality. You know, that's the only thing that lasts good for a long period of time and it doesn't cost a dime. Right. Yeah. And I don't and get it. And you can connect
1: with that any moment, right? Like any second you can connect with that versus the other thing. If you hold that attachment to the thing you bought on Amazon, eventually you're going to be disappointed and, and upset Always. because, right? Like it Within never solves it. Without I don't it. get
0: fat. I don't get fat. I don't have to clear my browser history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yep. I mean, you know, who really clears it? <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm an insurance dude. I can get away with it.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. I personally love this conversation. I mean, this is something that I've been, you know, thinking about and and working on for for years now and I love I love um and I think it's something that we all need to think about. I think I almost look at it as like a blessing. If you're able, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of need, right? If you're able to get to a point where you're just really thinking about yourself and you, you can do a little self work, what a blessing it is to be in a position that you can do that. Um, a lot of times there is pain in the background and that's how we get to the point where we start doing that inner work. Um, but one of the th- – that that's beside the point. What I was going to bring up is Dr. Benjamin Hardy. He's one of my favorite authors right now. Um, he talks about your future self and he talks about this whole construct of, you know, our, our – the way that society has believed in the past it, with psychology and stuff is that our past kind of determines our present, right? Like all the things in the past brought us to the present and then whatever we feel in the present will bring us into the future mm-hmm. um but he, he kind of breaks it down and there's uh, a, a and I forget the different type of psychology is um where the actually the future the future determines your present your the future will pull you into the uh, will pull your present into the future. So, you know, like it's like who you want to be and what we're, well, we're talking about identities and, and everything will pull you forward instead of those past things determine who you are. It's kind of like you're going to let your future self determine who you are now. So now you start doing the actions of that future self. And then in our present self, we can reattach new stories to our past identity, our past stories, all this traumatic behavior, right? Or or traumatic, um, stories that have happened to us, you can take something like you were saying, Craig, the rainy seasons, you feel like crap in those moments. You might've lose things. You might, you might've done something to hurt someone, but like, what did you learn through that? And if you can have a, you know, you can change that story in the present of your past and attach new meanings to it. It could have got, you know, it, it made you who you are now. And, Who knows? Like, there might be a story of, I know for me, like, my dad wasn't around a lot when I was young, and I used to be really mad about it. A lot of that fueled, it helped me get where I am now. So I literally do not feel any pain towards it anymore. I feel, if anything, more sadness for who he was as a person, but I'm not mad at him. And so my story on my relationship with my father's changed over the, over the years because my present self has changed and it's changed my past
0: well that makes sense to me you know i got it if i can put maybe my two cents on it yeah another weird way to say that is fake it till you make it um (laughs) you know because i am so stupid simple you know if, if I'm an agent in an agency and everybody's always thought I was a loser or a, a non producer, and I always dressed like it and always carried myself like it, and I always didn't make eye contact and stuff, go to a new agency and start dressing different, start mm-hmm. acting different, start carrying yourself different, start projecting. Who you want to be, like you were saying, in the future. Yeah. And forgive yourself for whatever you thought you were, because that guy's gone. Yep. I call myself old Gary and new
1: Gary. (laughs) We do that all the time. You know? Old Gary
0: was, he was a knucklehead. Old Gary showed up late. (laughs) He showed up late to every meeting. He would be unprepared. You know, he didn't call people back. He, he, you know, returned emails whenever the hell he wanted to. Um, he was a knucklehead. He was also pretty damn creative. You know, he's really creative, but he got away with murder. New Gary is very punctual. He's prepared. He, he does things that he says he's going to do. You know, he tries to have more integrity than he ever had before. He gives people the gift of time, you know, where before mm-hmm. he didn't have time for you or if he was talking to you he was looking at his watch or looking around the corner you know to see if there's somebody else he needed to talk to so you know if i was another agent kind of to use that thing that you were talking about fake it till you make it become new jason by pretending to be who you want to be Mm. and if you do that enough reps it's like a muscle You do that enough reps every day and people will notice who you are before you do.
2: Yeah, true.
1: The thing that you're doing, the actions, right? Like the only reason that it's faking it is because of in your own head, right? Like mm -hmm. you're doing it. You're not faking it. You're actually doing it, but you don't believe it that you can do it or believe that you are doing it. So you think that you're faking it. Right. Like, and I don't mean you, I just mean the royal you. I
0: know what you're talking.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> I think there's this, you know, you have to basically move your it's like this total mind shift to the new place, right? And the only way to do it is a trick, is to say, I'm faking it.
0: Yeah, and then, then there's really the story. Yeah. And then there's going to be haters saying, Oh, look at Jason, he's dressing all fancy. Right. Look at him. And then it's yeah. like, you know what? Screw those people.
1: Yeah. If you got those, then you're on to something. Right. If yep. there's people trying to pull you down,
2: then you are doing something.
1: Yeah. Screw those people. Yeah. They weren't your friends
0: 100%. to begin with. It is That's funny. Right. It's
2: like you do not achieve anything without the actions and they will always come first. So it's really having that belief, that belief like, hey, I if I do the same actions as this other person, I can t- receive the same result. But it's hard to, I mean, it is, it's hard to do that in our own head. And it's hard to do that because of those around us. I have one, I think that, the, so we were talking about moving from operator to,
1: to owner, right? And I, th- I know that that Jason, like, obviously you did that, Gary. Jason's done it. I've done it in our agencies and we see it over and over. So many agents that are still stuck in the, they own it, but they also are, are operating it and mm-hmm. they're also a producer and they're doing everything. And And if I, you know, maybe this will break through with them, but there was a time when it was very uncomfortable to hear the phone ring and not answer it. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It was very uncomfortable to have somebody come in and say they're going to cancel and not run over there and try to save them. Mm-hmm. But once all of those things were completely let go, like it's been, two, you know, three years since I've taken a, a call here, like I can't imagine getting on the phone now because it, it's endless, right? It, there's 200 calls every day. Like, what am I going to do? I'm not stopping any anything or fixing anything or or moving the needle. I'm doing much. I'm much more effective being here, even if I'm only here for one hour to meet with the team and do run a sales meeting. That's Mm -hmm. way more effective than me running around my hair on fire trying to solve all the world's problems.
0: Yeah, Yeah. you know, Jason, you were touching on something earlier about the Maslow of hierarchy of needs and all that stuff. Yeah. Here's the way that I've seen it work in my life, and here's the way it was described to me. I thought I would have character when I became successful, but I had to build character to be successful. Mm. So I thought I would have character once I had the house and the car and the family and all that stuff. So I worked hard to get all that stuff and I got all that stuff. And instead of having character, I became a character.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: And instead, what I've worked on the last six years, almost seven years, is when I work on every morning before I get in the shower, I work on building my character and building integrity. And then I think success comes after character building always. And if we get success before character, always scared of losing it
1: Mm, puts us in a scarcity
0: yeah so that's probably one of the biggest lessons i've learned
2: i love it and i and i want to dive into the book um when when was the book released i think we released it in june and it's called the success paradox
0: here's a copy of it right here where'd i go
1: right there there it is awesome He's holding up shiny new, the beautiful <laughs>
2: success paradox. How long did it take you to write the book?
1: It
0: took about a year and a half to actually write it. Um, and look, I never wanted to write a book. I never dreamed of being a book writer. I don't, part of my identity is not being an author. <laughs> um, so I got, you know, they normally get a ghostwriter. And I'm like, look, all my friends will know I didn't write it. So I'm putting <laughs> the guy's name on the front of the book uh-uh. who, who helped me. So the the reason why I wrote the book is one of our best friends' kid committed suicide. And oh, all man. these problems we're talking about, kids are dealing with them. And the biggest one that I dealt with, I believe, was comparing myself to other people. Mm -hmm. I think that started when I was really young, and I think a lot of you were talking about your dad um, not being around. Mine was comparing myself to my dad. Mm. He was really successful, and I, I think I transferred his success to I'm nothing if I don't become as successful or more so than him. And when he died, I just picked somebody else, and I started chasing them. And when Jack Buffington killed himself, I was about a year and a half into this this 180 direction in my life. And I was like, man, it's got to be hard to be a a 20-year-old kid. Mm -hmm. Jack was 20 years old, and he was my kid's best friend and my wife's best friend from childhood's son. And we raised him together. I'm and so then 10 other kids in this small town of 10,000 people killed themselves that same year. How many? 10. <gasps> wow. And so I had no desire to write a book. Um, and I wanted to write a book about kids. And Forbes called and said, have you ever thought about a book? And I was like, yes i like to do it about kids. And they said, well, that's not your story. Your story is you put these things into your business and your business went from 60 million to 400 million. And that's your story. So I set it up in a nonprofit and all the proceeds go to the nonprofit. And I would love to get somebody like Demi Lovato or LeBron James or Roy McElroy to write a book for kids to say, hey, Demi's very vocal about her stuff. I would love to get Demi to write a book to say, you don't have to compare yourself to anybody Mm because you're perfect the way God made you, you know, for that age group. Because there's a section in the book about social media, and I'm not a social media basher. Um, The way I describe it is, did you know Alfred Nobel invented dynamite? Uh The Nobel Peace Prize guy? Invented dynamite, huh? So his wow. brother dies, and he goes to his brother's funeral, and they screw up, and they put Alfred's obituary on the front page of the newspaper in Paris, and they call him the Master of Death. And he's like, "Holy crap! I invented dynamite. It's a good thing. Why are they calling me the Master of Death?" So he spends he spends the next couple of years changing his obituary. and he invents the Nobel Peace Prize, and he's as rich as Bill Gates at that time, and he donates all of his money to create the Nobel Peace Prize. Wow. So I would like to change my, you know, my dash. You know, I was born in 72. I would like to change my dash to say, how can we, you know, not bash social media, but say it's explosive like dynamite, depending on whose hands it's in. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you go on, set a timer. You know, if yep. you go on, you know, don't compare yourself to a supermodel, you know, or don't compare yourself to Elon Musk. Or don't compare yourself to the fastest man in the world if you're a white kid like me, you know, who can't jump. You know, if I buy Nike, if I buy Michael Jordan shoes, I can't dunk like him. You know, I tried that in high school and it didn't work. <laughs> I actually had Ralph Sampson shoes. Remember him?
2: Oh, yeah. 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 Super cool. Well, how can we get a hold of the book? How can our readers uh, learn more?
0: So you can go to Amazon. That's probably the easiest place to get it. Um, oh, Am- no.
1: They're going to let you after you said those things about Amazon? <laughs>
0: <sighs> I hope so. Um, <laughs> or you can go to. Uh, like, Wait a minute. <laughs> you can go to um, successparadox.com.
1: Yep. Super cool. It's great, man. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to pick this up. I'm going to sign up for your newsletter there on the webpage too, and get going.
2: It's awesome, man. You have gone through quite the transformation. And I just want to say, uh, it's, it's so awesome to see somebody, um, a lot of people that do become successful, uh, don't go that direction, right? They, they, they become, um, maybe a little bit more part of a problem rather than a solution, So just want to say thank you for, for putting all this good out into the world and and now being a leader for, for good rather than, you know, showing, showing people what they can do and putting God first. I think it's super cool, man.
0: Well, dudes, I just want to know, do I get a t-shirt or like a hat or any kind of merch?
1: Yeah, we can, we can arrange right that. About, like, yeah. do
0: I get an insurance dude shirt so I are, can? Are like, you
1: gonna take? You got to take a picture with it, put it on the. Site. I'll, yes. put it, I'll put it
0: on on uh, LinkedIn. And nice, post, yeah. Post that there. We'll give it here. Yeah.
2: yeah, that will be sent to you for sure. <laughs> That'd
0: be fun. I'll have fun with that.
2: Cool, awesome, well, Gary. Thanks.
1: So good to have you on here, man. Thank you for uh, for coming on. And you went the distance. Did the whole hour crazy? we so, did it it's been we made it happen fun. it's yeah. fun talking to you guys you are a lot well, of fun Ah, thank oh, thanks man thanks Gary have same with you have a great rest of your day take care man see ya Later.